Podcast. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, aka Chef Sonic. And we are the Gymwits. So this is going to be sort of the last time I see you for a little while, right? Yeah, but we keep saying it. You're no, like, but this is actually the time. Yeah, but we keep saying it. So like and depending on the order that I'd like, you know, choose to post these, it's gonna sound so confusing to everybody because it's gonna be like <laughs> every week I'm going away and people are like, when is he going away? And then by the time I'm actually back, I'll actually be back. So I never will have gone away. But as, as far as I'm concerned, this is going to be the last time I see yes, you Yes, yes. So in real, real time, real world, um, <laughs> this is likely the last time you'll see me for uh, five weeks. However, um, I will be back in a couple weeks. I'll see you backstage. So like, well, and I'll be back twice. <laughs> you, you think. <laughs> um, I'll be back twice. And um, once will be for two days, which I will try to get time to see you, although, although my wife um, obviously is the priority. And then the next time, I'll actually be back on uh, Comic-Con weekend uh, in October. I'll be here Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so we may be able to get some recording time. So yes, cool. it's like five weeks that I'll be mostly out of the city, but um, I'll be back a couple times. So might, you might be able to see me, so it may not, be, it may not seem like that much time um, that, that I'm away. But but yes, today is technically like again, our, our listeners over the next. Oh, <laughs> God, it's it, it's so confusing with all the like posting and everything. But but we'll have heard us discuss my leaving for months now, and <laughs> this is the actual real world last time. Yes, and it might get released after you get back. <laughs> exactly. So, um, uh, so probably this, not. Probably. probably not. Only because this is an episode I've been I've been wanting to get out um, for a while because we had a request for it. Oh yes. So and and and, and about that, what? I'm 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 actually I, I Ryan called me to tell me the about the episode. Episode, mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I couldn't really hear what you were saying very well. The phone was breaking up. But I'm, I'm proud of you for coming up with an episode that I can really get into, if you know what I mean. So I, I heard some of the, the talking points. You talked about size, shake, you know. <laughs> Pump all these sorts of you know sorts wow. of cool things. So that's that, that's what you took out of the show notes. You really so, were, you really really went through those show notes. So you, you're like, t- tell everyone what what the episode is on. Gaining mass. Mat mass. Yes. Oh. Oh. <laughs> oh yeah. Of course. Mass. All right. Okay. Okay. Well, let's roll with it anyway. So. Wow. Um, it was not not good, not your best work. <laughs> but I'm but I don't have a lot of time, so we're not going to re-record that intro. <laughs> so um, anyway, yeah. So so to give a little bit of an intro, um, we had somebody ask about like building size, right? Uh, and build, building muscle, uh, building muscle mass, which is a goal that many of us have. Even people who don't know it, like we, you know, a lot of women, uh, female clients will say, you know, I want to get toned, but I don't want to you know, put on muscle and you still probably want to put on a little bit of muscle. You just don't want to look like, you know, a massive bodybuilding guy um, or bodybuilding girl. Um, So today we'll just talk about, we'll go into kind of some of the information, some of the science, some of the research, um, what are the parameters um, that you can work with when trying to build size Uh, and Justin will work with me. So um, why don't, you know, why don't you ask me um, the first question? Like, what do you, what, what would you, what do you want to know? All right. So let's just sort of strip it down because I've gone through the phase too where I wanted to get big. But what are we talking about when we 
know, say the term building mass or, or, or building size or getting bigger. It's pr- pretty simple. It's just, it's, it's hypertrophy, which is simply kind of increasing the cross-sectional area of the muscles, right? So it's a fancy way of saying, you know, growing the muscles, um, you know, and, and that's it. So when we're talking about that, you know, that, that's, that's building size. That's everybody kind of has, um, the right idea there, you know, when you're when you're building, and you know, today we're going to focus on the on muscles. Obviously, there's you know, there's tendons and ligaments, which which can tend to some extent can grow slightly, but but not nearly at the rate um, or scale of the of the muscles. So we're going to kind of focus on that. But um, you know, the the way it works, which is kind of the second kind of part of this, you know, is. It's a little tricky. So, like with a lot of these things, we think we, you know, they seem simple, and we think we know. This is happens with all kinds of science, or things that you think are simple, think are pretty straightforward, but it really turns out that scientists aren't one hundred percent sure. And so, when it, the kind of even with hypertrophy, they're not one hundred percent sure. So, what we generally know is, you, you know, pretty simple, like the 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 Planet Fitness ads, right? You pick stuff up, you put the put, you know, pick stuff up, put it down, and the muscles grow. And, you know, it's, there is a cause and effect with that. You know, and some people grow bigger, some people grow smaller. But essentially... Um, Wait, how but, can you grow smaller? I'm sorry. Some people grow bigger. Some people grow <laughs> at faster rates than others. Yes, I'm okay. sorry. Yeah, I should. I, I need to speak slower. I need to I stop. Mean, that would be cool if you yeah. could grow smaller. <laughs> it's called atrophy. <laughs> um, yes. So, so, yeah, yeah. So um, the, the kind of prevailing theory is, you know, exercise causes um, microtrauma to the muscles. Basically, again, fancy way of saying damage. So these kind of microscopic tears in the muscle. So that's kind of part one, right? You lift weights and that causes this damage to the muscles. The body then responds by repairing and increasing the size of the muscle cells in order to adapt to the new stress. So basically it's kind of a, a stress response. You know, you, if you're lifting a weight or, or, or you know, performing an activity that, that is more stressful or strenuous than you're used to, the body's going to you know, react by saying, okay, well, uh, this is new. I'm going to need to adapt to that new size. And so it builds itself, you know, in theory, bigger and stronger in order to adapt to those kind of the new stressors. Right? Okay. So this sort of, it, it adapts to, uh, you know, as you said, it, it adapts to the stressors by getting bigger or getting stronger or some combination. But it seems like when you're, you know, I'm at the gym, like I was earlier and I was doing heavy weights and deadlifts and back stuff. And I was like all pumped up yeah. right there. But I know that it doesn't work that yeah. fast. It's not like I just lift weights like, oh, my muscles are bigger, but yeah. it looks like it. Yeah. So, so that's kind of an acute reaction, right? That, that it, it pump. Right, we all know the the pump you get when you lift weights. If you want, you're gonna go out. At, you know, I remember going out. We'd we'd grab some weights and start lifting, try to get a little pumped up before. Um, that's different. So that's more. That just comes from increased blood flow, right? So you, you let's say when, wherever you lift the wherever you lift again, you're creating that damage. So the idea is right. The the body is gonna then increase blood flow to those areas. So let's say if you're working your arms, you're increasing damage to the arms, your body you know responds by increasing the blood flow to the arms. You get that little swelling, you know, pump look. Um, and you know, you go out and you look, you know, look a little bit bigger. Um, that's different from the actual adaptation, which is kind of called, um, myofibular hypertrophy, which is, you know, again, increasing the, you know, at a, at a really micro microscopic level, increasing the contractile proteins, which you call actin and myosin, which kind of, they work together to actually make the muscle fibers contract. Um, there's another kind of, um, hypertrophy called, um, sarcoplastic, but it's kind of. 
it, it's in, the increase in the glycogen storage within the muscles, but that's kind of disputed as far as whether or not, you know, that is, is, is a significant kind of cause of your getting bigger. And really, you don't need to know either of these. You just need to know that, it, you know, you need to know what's more important when, it, when, it get, when we're getting into this is really, you know, the, the parameters and what you, you should be and shouldn't be doing um, in order to kind of get that adaptation. Right? Makes sense? Yeah, you know, no, I, you know, and I know a little bit about this as well. Not cer certainly not as much as you, but I've been reading, you know, the magazines for a while. So, um, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of us that are into lifting weights have have sort of done a, a nominal amount of research into mm -hmm. wondering why this actually happens. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, I guess that the the question that that I've always had is. What are sort of? I know that that, that clearly the, the the lifting weights and you know how much you're lifting weights, but what are the sort of other variables to why you're going to grow? Because I know that you could like like you put pick it up and put it down, but I know that there there has to be so much more that goes into it. Yeah, so there there are a number of variables that that do affect um, how somebody grows. Okay, so they include gender hormones, age, um, genetic makeup, your sleep, your diet, um, medication. Um, there are any number of variables that will affect so um, how much you were never even thinking that as kids. You're just thinking, no. oh, I'm going to lift weights no, and I'm going to get big. It's like, yeah. and I guess you probably figured, oh, you know, maybe people yeah. are genetically better. But yeah. I guess th there's a lot that goes into yeah, it. Yeah, there's a lot that goes into it. So, you know, we're not going to focus on all of those variables as much only because uh, you know, that would take, you know, that would be a three hour podcast and each one as we did, we, you know, we just recorded, um, you know, I don't know where it's going to be released in, in relation to this episode, probably before, but we just did that great episode on sleep and, you know, we could probably spend a whole episode just talking about how sleep is going to affect your, you know, now, building uh, muscles. Now our, our listeners going to have um, heard the sleep episode by the time this comes probably, out. Probably, yeah. yeah. yeah um, but, you know, even like genes, um, you know, genetics is another thing um, where we're working, actually talking with somebody. Um, I know we touched on it also in another episode, but we actually have an expert, um, uh, I mean, you know, I don't want to not say the other person didn't know what they were talking about. We have somebody who really is is a doctor studying this, so we're going to talk about genes and how they affect you. So, so these are all you know, in and of themselves, you know, when it comes to hormones, genes, sleep, diet, etc. Those are all things that almost require their own you know discussion. But we will touch on some of them. Like I think we'll touch a little bit on on gender differences and age differences, um, and how that can affect building size. But um, but yeah, those are all things. So it's important to know that it's not just how much you lift and how much you don't lift um but also you know all these other factors i'm sorry i'm like distracted by the the sounds of new york justin's got yes, some yes. massive construction going on outside of the uh outside of the studio and uh, along with traffic and stuff but anyway um yeah so i guess what's your next question all right so we you always hear someone saying oh look at that guy he looks really strong mm -hmm. and look, we, we know to a degree if you're a bodybuilder you're not weak yeah. Right. Or maybe in certain parts, if, if you have like a, an injury or certain parts, you might be weaker or there might be some imbalances. But we know, look, for the, if you can bench press 600 pounds, you're not weak. I, it would be hard pressed for anyone to, uh, to say that someone who could do that is weak. But with that being said, what is the correlation between size and strength? Because, you know, we've, you've seen athletes that are like really, really strong, but they're not necessarily as big yeah. so sort of what is the correlation sure. there so 
clearly, you know, anybody that tells you, oh, size doesn't mean anything, look at, you know, like, okay, you know, give a quick example. If you look at guys that kind of compete in the world's strongest man competition, and then you look at them compared to some of the biggest bodybuilders in the world, the bodybuilders are going to be larger, have more defined muscle, but they're not going to necessarily win a world's strongest man competition. You will no, have some won't. that they will won't. cross over. So I think <laughs> there is, no, you, but you'll get then get people who will who will take that and leap into saying, oh, bodybuilders aren't that strong. You know, size doesn't mean anything. You know, strength is different from size, and that's not right. Like clearly, bodybuilders are strong, and clearly, you know, the the larger you are and the larger the size of your muscles, there is a very distinct correlation between size and strength. Now that being said, um, it it there are differences, and so you know the strength adaptations don't necessarily mean the same kinds of size adaptations. So, you know, if your goal if your goal is to be as big as possible, you're going to have to lift heavy, but your goals are going to be different from somebody who who wants to be as strong as possible. And you know, we'll get a little bit into the, you know, more specifics, but you know, a good a good example of this would be um, 3 to 4 weeks of inactivity will cause the muscles to atrophy, right? So atrophy we just said is is when the muscles get smaller, right? But that decrease in size doesn't lead to an equivalent decrease in strength, right? So there's not the correlation just isn't there, right? If you if you don't work out, if let's say you deadlift 400 pounds today, and you don't work out for four weeks, you may get or let's take a more specific let's say bicep curl. Let's say you, you curl you know 30 pounds, and then you don't work out for four weeks, your biceps might atrophy slightly, but you'll it won't atrophy at the rate that your strength will decrease. Your decrease your strength will relatively remain you know the same so you know, that's one example um well you know we'll also discuss there you know there are different you know depending on the weights that you use your body is going to adapt um different and so the ways there are a variety of ways to gain size right there and we'll talk more about that where to gain strength there really is only one way and that's lifting you know heavy and lifting the you know or, and, and producing you know or maximizing kind of your the recruitment of muscle fibers for for whatever the movement is so you know strength is is its own thing that generally does lead to bigger size but but they're not directly correlated there's not they're not like a parallel line between the two that as you get stronger you're going to get bigger and of course there's a uh, I'm sure we'll get into this later but there's a big dietary component yeah. to to size like yeah. basically if you want to get bigger you have to eat more you have to put in more calories yeah absolutely so um, uh, all right uh, sort of uh, in relation to the, the size I heard a lot about this when I was first getting into weightlifting. At the gym, people would always say, oh, you want to do the, the lifts this way, right? Or you want to hit the angle of your muscle yeah. because it'll shape it. Or if you do more reps, it'll get the, the, the muscle will point out rather than getting bigger mm -hmm. in general. And I think we know that that's sort of a myth. Yeah. That the, it doesn't really work like that. Yeah. So could you just talk a little bit about... Yeah trying to shape the muscle yeah. like it's like um you know play-doh or it doesn't work that yeah, way right mo it, it mostly doesn't work the best things you can do for shaping your muscles is you get bigger and you lose you get bigger muscles you lose body fat like that's the that's what you can do to shape your muscles now i would say it's slightly disputed um but regardless of whether you think you absolutely can shape the muscles or you absolutely can't um, I, practically speaking, it's probably not worth even even focusing on when you're working out, right? So, you know, like I said, you can make your muscles larger, you can make your muscles bigger, you can make your muscles more full. 
but you know, you it's hard to, you, you know, to say that you can, you know, let's say if you have a, a big, the best example is if you make a, if you flex your biceps, right? Some people, if you look at them, like the top of the biceps gets really high, like a, like the peak of a mountain for some, it's very small, but it's more full from the shoulder to the elbow. So, you know, shaping that is incredibly hard and, pro and possibly impossible. Now you'll get some, um, now one argument is right. That the, let's say when the recruitment of muscles, right? If we, you know, which, which, which lie th throughout the entire muscle that it, it recruits at a different, you know, kind of slightly different rates throughout the muscle. So it might be slightly higher level of recruitment at the ends than it is at the center. Um, and so theoretically, if it's recruiting at slightly different percentages in different areas of the muscle, then theoretically different parts of the muscle could be worked a little bit more. But I just think that even if you could prove that, and even if you could you know, prove that there is some kind of training effect, I think it would be so small that again, it's not worth really you know, focusing on. Now, I think the one area where you can maybe, you know, and again, it's even hard to explain, but like, is let's say an area like the chest. So the chest, we generally think of it as, as one muscle, but they're kind of three different heads. I give the, and, and um, you know, the kind of based on the three different, like you have the, the clavicular head, which is kind of the upper third or upper portion of the chest, not quite third, but upper portion of the chest. That you might, you'll recruit slightly more in that area if you're doing something like an incline press. So it is possible, you know, to slightly work, you know, an area, that area a little bit more. You have an area like maybe the hamstrings where you have two, you know, separate heads or even the biceps are the two heads. So there are people that, that will argue that if, you know, if you do certain things at a certain speed or, you know, in a certain way that you might be able to kind of recruit slightly more in one portion. Um, so there might be some credence to that. But again, I think for the average person, it's not going to matter so much. I think that might, you know, maybe if you're, if you're a bodybuilder where every little detail counts, that's when you really might want to look into it more. But I think for the average person, or even somebody who's just looking to get bigger, it's, you're better off just focused on, on varying your lifts and doing different things than you are in trying to specifically shape areas of the muscle. Because even if it is possible, I don't think we really know enough for anything to be more effective than just getting out there and, and lifting heavy. Hmm. All right. So speaking of heavy, mm -hmm. now that's a very relative term. Yeah. And I've heard a lot of bodybuilders actually say, look, we're not strong men. That's not what we do. We don't have to lift heavy. Yeah. And there's a, there's a lot of bodybuilders that sort of have built their physique off of what they say, not lifting heavy. They yeah. say it's more about the form and the, and the, and the, you know, the rep, the, the repetitions and sort of that, the, just the, the, the overall workout. So now when they say we're not lifting heavy, what do they mean by not sure. lift? Like, what is heavy? Does heavy yeah. mean like as much as you can, as mu like maxing out, or is it is heavy still heavy, in to the, for the most people, and it's just relative to someone's yeah. strength? So that's a great question, actually. The, so heavy is relative. I think you're right. I think for some, so generally when we, when we talk about weightlifting, um, we use we ref, reference the one rep max. So one rep max would be basically. You know, what's the weight that you can perform one repetition with good form? You know, anything beyond that, you know, you, you can't do it. Either you can't do it with good form, you, you just can't get the weight up. So 
um, we tend to refer to strength training about around percentages of one rep max. You have a few options of getting it. Either you do in one direction, you literally find your one rep max, and then you calculate kind of percentages. Now, some you know there are ways to kind of calculate you know how many reps you should do at 50%, how many reps you should do at 80%, 90%, etc. The other way to do it is to do let's say take an exercise and do 10 reps. And you kind of reverse engineer it. So you say, okay, if I can do 10 reps of this weight, then I sh I'll probably be able to do one rep of another weight. So either way, you know, there, there are ways of figuring out your one rep max. So, um, so when it comes to lifting heavy, so the general idea is that, you know, let's say we're in the, you know, there are different ranges. So let's say you've got like your one to three rep max range. So that's I'd say, let's say you're very extremely heavy range. And then you've got like a three to six rep max range. And that's like, you know, very heavy. And then you've got your, you know, let's say six to eight or six to nine rep max range. And that would be, that's where I would say that's, you know, heavy. And then you've got your, you know, eight to 12 where it's kind of moderate weight, right? So there, there is, you know, there is a lot of research that's showing that basically it's not the, the amount of weight so that, so that you sh don't need to be in the extremely heavy or even the very heavy or even the heavy, you know, repetition range to, to make strength gains. And I'll, you know, I'll give you one interesting, one study that, that kind of um, bears this out. Wait, wait, it, so wait, strength gains or size I'm sorry, gains. size gains. Okay. Sorry, size gains. Um, so um, you have two groups uh, in this study. And one group lifted 50% of their one rep max. Um, so they were in a 20 to 25 rep range. And then you had the second group. The second group was lifting at 90% of their one rep max. So that was about uh, the 10 rep range. And so in the end, now, so both of these, they lifted to exhaustion. Um, and that's gonna be a key. When we get into this more, um, you know, that's the key. So basically they found that they had similar strength gains. So once again, strength or size? I'm sorry, oh, God. Similar gains in muscle fiber size. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, thank you for, for calling me out on that. Um, so they both lifted, sorry, so exhaustion and fatigue are really the keys here. It's not so much about the amount of weight. It's about lifting to exhaustion. It's about getting to fatigue. So, I think uh, those quick, are the most, that, that's the most important part of, of uh, or if not the most, you know, I'd say one in one A with, with volume as far as like building, building size. Okay, so a, a quick sidebar, just to touch on the strength concept is do you know offhand whether it's the same thing for gaining lots of strength or do you want to get closer to that well, max and i know this is not yeah. the topic but do we want to get closer to that one mat one rep max if you're if you are going for strength okay so strength is relative right so if i want to lift my one rep max i got to focus on my one rep max gotcha. if i want to lift my five rep max i got to focus gotcha. on my five rep max mm. so strength is a little bit more straightforward it's if i want to lift 500 pounds i gotta get as close to lifting 500 pounds as possible there's no like you know, I, I can't do a muscle endurance. Let's say if I want to bench press 500, I can't do an endurance program where I do, let's say, 300 for 25 reps and then grab 500 and, and lift. Like, I've got to work my way up towards 500. So I think, you know, where strength gains, you can play with the weights and play with fatigue. Strength gains, I'm oh, sorry, with muscle size gains, I'm going to keep doing this today. With size gains, um, you can play with weights. With uh, the strength gains, you really, whatever the strength goal is, that's where you need to be focused on. Okay, so you talked about volume and fatigue or exhaustion or whatever you want to call it. So there's actually a lot in there. So I have a, sort of a few points to, to, to touch on. First is the 
tempo to mm-hmm. which you're going to lift, to how you're going to get that volume, right? So if you're lifting fast, sometimes you can get out another rep or two. If you're lifting slow, it might not always work, but maybe yeah. you want to lift fast because of the form or the, the technique. And then the number of reps that you can do is sort of based on how much you rest, right? Yeah. Like if you do uh, a, an intense set and you rest for a couple minutes, you're gonna be able to get up a couple more rep, reps than if you rest for 30 seconds and then yeah. do another one. So what's the optimal approach for, for both how, and I know once again, if you have a, a specific goal in mind, like, yeah. like I wanna just push up as many reps as fast as possible. If that's your weird goal, then that's what you're gonna have to train for. Yeah. But for what we're talking about, which is size, which is mass, what is the the consensus on the the best tempo to to lift, and yeah. also to maybe discuss the negative, which is when you're lowering the weight, you know, as opposed to what? So, what's the opposite of the negative? Uh, uh, the positive is that no, what it's called. No, that's not what it's uh, called, though. Yeah, no, there's um the concentric portion. So that's the part where you're. Let's say if I'm doing a bicep curl, where I'm lifting the bar the barbell up or kind of shortening the muscle that I'm working. And then there's the eccentric where you're controlling the barbell you're back eccentric. down or the, yes, I, <laughs> but, uh, or where you're, you're lowering or, or lengthening the, the muscle. So, um, there, there's no consensus really. There are different rules of thumb. You're going to hear different ideas on how, um, fast on how the, what your tempo okay. is. So, uh, you know, the rule of thumb is typically well, you explain what tempo is first. I know I sort of sp- yeah, exactly. spouted you that term out. Tempo is. I sort of spouted uh, right. that term out, but let, let's. The tempo is just the pace, the speed you lift. The, the you know, it, it, it's it's so okay. Any lift has really kind of four portions, four parts. Four parts. There are two isometric contractions, which is static, right, where you're not moving. There's a concentric and there's an eccentric portion. So, um, again, generally the the concentric portion is going to be um, shortening of the muscle. So whatever the muscle is, you're you're shortening. If it's with weights, it's always going to be against gravity. Right? Whatever you're doing, you know, you're working against gravity. Um, but again, that that's not quite true because different muscles are lengthening and shortening. When we do it. So let's say the concentric, to make things simple, is the hard part. Right? There's a part where you're exerting force against an object. Um, the eccentric part is you're controlling it back. So you're controlling the object back. That's usually the kind of easier part because you're you're uh, you don't have to be at full strength to control the weight down. And then you have two isometric portions, right? There's one at the top and one at the bottom. So if I start um, a bicep curl, right? I start with my arms fully extended. That's that's isometric. Um, when I curl, that's concentric. I pause at the top. That's another isometric, and then I control it back down. That's eccentric. So there's four parts. So the general rule of thumb, um, and again, this isn't—I wouldn't even say this is a general rule of thumb. This is just kind of around what the what I what I would work with is um, you do one set one second concentric, but that changes as the exercise gets heavier. So you know, you, it may if you're doing a heavy bicep curl or heavy bench press, it may take you more than one second for the concentric. But uh, generally, kind of one to two seconds, let's say concentric, you do about a one second pause. And then you do about three second eccentric, so three seconds controlling, you know, the weight down. So um, again, that's kind of a rough idea, but um, there's a lot of research show that's showing that you can you can get strength gains both by Set doing. It again. God damn, <laughs> you can get size gains by doing. We should do a shot. We should do shots. Like just, I'll take a <laughs> shot of tequila. If I didn't yeah, have to yeah. work, we could do that. We should do a drunk episode one day. Mm, okay, that would be hilarious. Um, 
Yeah, that would be funny. Well, especially hilarious to see Ryan or yeah. Ryan drunk. <laughs> yeah, that would be fun. Uh, maybe we'll do that one day. Uh, so yeah. <laughs> anyway, back to this uh, explanation. So that you can get strength ga- or size gains <laughs> doing um, very slow eccentric contractions, or what we call negative, you know, training. Um, but you can also get strength gains doing like what I mentioned, and you can also do strength gains doing explosive contractions. Um, and there's actually an, a study that was testing you know, the difference between doing normal contractions, ex- explosive, and just very slow contractions. And so in this study, um, they had 43 untrained males. So you, know, you, all, you always have to kind of look at you know, who, the, you know, who are you dealing with, who are you studying, you know, what does the study really tell you. So you know, we'll, we'll take what we can take out of this. We got 43 untrained males in their 20s. Um, they did 40 contractions three times a week for three months um, on the quads. So it's very, very... Very narrow um, range we're working with, but um, one group did just normal contractions with the quadriceps. Um, I think it was a leg extension. Uh, the other one did explosive contractions, um, and the other one um, you know, did very controlled, slower contractions. And the explosive contractions gained the most size of the group. So again, okay. we're dealing with you know untrained males in their twenties. So who knows? But there is something to be said for kind of any style of tempo. So so. No one tempo necessarily beats all. I'll tell you my own personal anecdote is when we were, remember when we were younger lifting heavy weights, like I would squat, I could squat 500 pounds, I could deadlift 500 pounds, um, you know, not super heavy, but certainly fairly heavy. But my legs were never that big. You know, my legs weren't tiny, but my legs weren't all that big. Um, and then over the last few years, all I do are, you know, I do a lot of jumps, I do a lot of sprints, I do a lot of kicks, I do a lot of burpees, um, but I don't lift heavy at all. I don't lift any weights really. Um, and my legs are, significantly bigger than they were when I was lifting heavy, heavy weights. Um, but I do lots of explosive contractions, whether it's the jumping or whether it's the sprinting or whether it's the kicking. So, you know, again, you don't ever want to use personal, I mean, you know, my own personal kind of experience is not, you know, science and, and shouldn't, you shouldn't judge the rest of it by that. But, uh, you know, in my own experience, um, it bears out what uh, some of the research says, which is that you can still gain size um, on the legs, you know, even with more explosive, powerful contractions without as much weight. Well, let's not forget the fact that you built up the, the muscle sure. for, and the strength of it and sure. some of the size doing lifting for sure. years before. Yeah. So who knows if you would see the same type of gains? Probably not. I would, I would definitely argue probably not, but it's also strange that while I was doing all the heavy lifting that my legs didn't adapt by growing, but once yeah. I started doing a lot of the really explosive contractions with the quads, um, it did. Now, so your second question you had was uh, rest. So, because that's directly related yeah, to absolutely. volume. You say so, volume is very important, but how much you're resting... And, and also resting between sets, yeah. and then very also important as as you mentioned is sort of resting in general, yeah. th- days of rest, sleeping rest. Yeah. I know you don't want to touch on that, but no, well, no, that, that's going to factor yeah. in. So I mean, look, listen to Chris Winter uh, that interview. Uh, if you want to know how much to sleep. Listen to that. I think that's enough to kind of give you as far as what you need sleeping. I think we, we can agree that if you're not getting an appropriate sleep, it's going to affect you. So we'll leave it at that. Uh, that was a great episode, so you should listen if you haven't. Um, but as far as – so between sets, are, the general rule of thumb is actually between one to five minutes. And really, a lot of it depends on the weight. If you're doing very, very heavy weights, you're going to be on the – you know, the longer end of that, you know, so you'll be closer to five minutes. If you're doing lighter weights, you can probably get away with the, with the one minute, but there definitely is a lot of research now that's showing that the longer rest may be more helpful. Um, and I'll give you another example of a study, um, 16 males, 
and they they did different um, they did re different rest periods, right? One group did a one minute rest period, the other group did a five minute rest period. Now they did muscle biopsies um, immediately, four hours, twenty four hours, and forty eight hours later, and they were analyzing their the myofibular protein synthesis. Um, and what they found was that the group that was had the longer rest actually had a twofold increase in in myofibular protein synthesis, which is going to directly correlate to the to the gains in in size. So, you know, again, you know, generally you're looking at two to three minutes rest um, with in between sets when you're lifting heavier or on the heavier side. But again, if you're if you're lifting really really heavy, uh, you know, in that one to three rep range, even in that three to six rep range, I would definitely suggest maybe, you know, you getting closer to four or five minute rest in between sets to get full, full recovery. So it would imply that longer workouts are going to be better at helping someone gain size. Now I know that might seem like a bit of an obvious question, but let's put it against a, a, another point, you know, such as if you could only get to the gym three days a week, but you can do really long workouts and get a lot of volume in, in each, in, in the individual workouts, is that going to be more effective than say, going to the gym five days a week, but doing less in those workouts? Or is it the same? That's gonna depend a little bit um, on the person. So everybody reacts different. So you're gonna have some people who can get away with three days a week of lifting, uh, and you get some people who need to spend six days in, in, in the in, in the gym. So I think in general, um, you know, volume is one of the keys, uh, or has generally generally been thought to be one of the keys to building size. So you're going to have to spend a lot of time in the gym. I think it just, you know, the everybody's going to be a little bit different. You know, uh, like when I lifted weights, um, I didn't need to spend as much time in the gym as some other people who needed to spend a lot more. And there are people who spend, need to spend less time than I do. So it, it does vary quite a bit. Uh, person to person. Also, what I was asking was, does the amount of time, not the overall time at the gym, but the the volume in one sitting, does that matter? Yeah. Right. So, like two hours, three days a week, is that better than one hour, five days a week, or six days a week? Because that's the exact same. At six hours, either way, does it, or is it just depending on the depends person? On the person. Or, okay. Yeah, I think it depends a little bit, a little bit more on the person. Um, you know really and the goal and where they are in their in their own personal kind of thing i would say that if you're you know on the higher levels you're probably going to need to spend more time uh fewer days heavier you know on those days but again everyone's a little bit different so you know where, where someone's starting off you know probably can get away with a few days a week uh lifting heavy but it, you know as you increase in your own size i think you need to, there more overall time needs to be spent um you know working out the kind of quality um, again, I don't want to say that completely because the volume is important, but the quality of the workouts, you know, also takes over, you know, the, the kind of quantity of, of workouts. All right. So touch on the importance of rest. I know you said sleep, but not necessarily sleep, but just rest. Meaning is there diminishing returns if you're working out without a rest day? Do you, why is that rest day important? Yeah. Well, okay. So again, the general rule of thumb is you give each muscle group you know, four, 24 to 48 hours to, to recover, right? So like we talked about earlier, you know, the, the kind of prevailing theory is you're doing damage to the muscles. So if you damage something, you, you need it to repair. And so if I go and do heavy chest one day and I go back and do heavy chest the next day, you know, diminishing returns there. So you do need to give it a little bit of rest. Now, again, it's one of those things where everyone's a little bit different, you know, and, uh, 
you know, per muscle group, some people can get away, you know, working groups once a week and putting on size where others need to do two or three times a week. You know, so if you particularly, if you're, if you find that, you know, you're building everywhere, but your, your arms are lacking, you might need to spend more time on your arms. If you, or your, you know, if your triceps are lacking, you may need to spend more time on your triceps. If the, you know, if the chest is, is growing more rapidly than everything else, maybe you need to kind of cut back from two days a week to, to, to one day a week. So, you know, you definitely don't want to do back to back days of heavy strength training. Um, and you might not even want to do, you might not even want to do like, you know, alternate like a Monday, Wednesday. Um, but you know, again, everyone's a little bit different. Um, and you know, so you kind of have to feel, feel for, you know, how does your body respond to the training? And again, some people can get away with one, some can get away with two, some need three. It really depends. And then everywhere is, sorry, everywhere is a little bit different and, and muscle groups are a little bit different, but we'll get, we'll get into some of these things. I, you know, kind of don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but, um, we'll get into some of these, some of these things later. All right. So, you had mentioned earlier that if you go for a f- a f- weeks without working out, your muscles will get a little bit smaller, and maybe you won't be able to lift as much right off the bat, but you'll gain it back pretty quickly, and yeah. you'll be able to just get back to your level of strength. How much of that is the strength of the muscle, and how much of that is your muscle memory, your yeah. ability to perform a task that you've performed? And also just in general, what is the role of, of muscle memory, right? You saw people that were relatively small doing these heavy bench presses, and we're like wondering, and then you're like, we realized that we, we, they were always bench pressing. Yeah. So how much of it is just that they got good at that motion? Yeah, well, that's a good point that, you know, part of the whole process is, is the brain and the body working. So it's kind of the neuromuscular system figuring out these patterns and moves. So that's why when people start off, um, you'll notice if, you, if you've ever, any, all of us have been through this where we never, we, you know, went for a period where we never worked out and we, or never worked out in earnest and we started lifting weights and pretty rapidly, you know, you, you make gains in the weights you can lift. And I almost want to make it clear, it's a little bit different from getting stronger because that initial reaction or adaptation is really the brain and the body figuring out, okay, here's the sequence that I need to fire my muscles in in order to, to lift this amount, this weight. And once your brain and body kind of figure that out, then then you can really start to lift the weight. So that's where initially, like for somebody, you know, bench pressing 20 pounds might be really hard, but then the next week you're bench pressing 70 pounds. And it's like, well, what just happened? Did I, did I, I didn't increase three more than three times my strength. You know, it's just that you kind of figured out the patterns. It's the same thing you do with any, you know, if you're learning a new movement or a dance move or a martial arts move or a sports move that it, it, you know, that first few times you do it, it can be really, really hard. And then even a week later you figure it out because the brain and the body are just kind of figuring out the movements. So you've got that part. That's part one. When you then you gain the strength, so now you you've got your strength. Now, even if you stop working out, the muscle does kind of possess not only memories of the kind of movement patterns, but it also possesses memories of earlier growth. And so, you know, again, lots of research um, kind of into this field, and it's showing that you know, kind of changes. There are changes into the DNA. Um, as the muscles grow, and so this allows, um, you know, this allows the muscles to grow after you know periods of of, of not use 
using them. Uh, and there are some implications here, especially when it comes to athletes, when it comes to you know dealing with injuries and dealing with drugs. So you know, it, it, on the positive side, if you're an you know if you're an athlete and you suffer a major, even a catastrophic injury, uh, and you're out for an extended period of time, you know the muscle memory is there enough that you know depending on how well you can recover from the actual injury, you can retain you you know pretty close to your earlier performance. Again, it, you know it, a lot of it depends on how bad the injury was. Um, so let's say you know let's say I'm a sprinter or whatever, and I break my arm and I can't run. You know I can't sprint because of the broken arm. You know like the even if you're not running, the muscles retain the memory, so you can come back you know to your full strength. Now if I'm a sprinter and I shatter my knee probably not going to return back to full strength, but that has more to do with the, the, the condition of the knee after healing than it does to do with the actual muscles. But the, on the negative side, you know, you're also dealing with drugs. So, you know, if you do performance enhancing drugs and you build muscles from that, even when you stop using it, those strength gains are still there. Even if you stop lifting, those strength gains are still there. And, um, you know, again, another study, now this was with mice, um, but they did show long-term benefits of, of um, steroid use. So basically what they did is they gave the mice a dose of this, you know, steroids. And then it went through three months of withdrawal. And they were able to increase um, basically from going. So they basically, you know, they, they, they had built their strength, then stopped doing the steroids. And after three months, they went back to doing kind of load-bearing exercise. And I'm forgetting what the load-bearing exercise is. Something, probably something to do with the wheel or something. Who knows? Whatever it was. Um, compared to other mice, they were able to increase 30% of their strength right away following the load-bearing exercise. So, and, 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 you know, there are other studies. So, you know, we're dealing with a situation where, you know, and this is, again, a, a topic for a different podcast. But basically, should the penalties for performance-enhancing drug use be, you know, more steep than they are now? Because, you know, those who do use them, you know, the benefits will far outlast the, you know, three-month or six-month or even year suspension that they get for getting caught. Hmm. That is... Yeah, well, there's a lot. <laughs> no, there's That's lots Pandora's box. Yeah, yeah. So, right. so we won't. We will stay away from that for now. But just to say that, that muscle memory is there. So if you lift a lot, you lift heavy, you get stronger. Something happens where you stop. You're not starting from scratch when you come back. Like it's there. It may feel like you are, but you regain. You know your your. You know I don't know that you'll regain your previous strength. You know, it'll take work to get back there. But you 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 don't start from zero again. You you know you gain that back pretty quickly. So. Someone might say, well, I got the, the biggest size gains within this, you know, when I, between year, you know, six months in a year when I first started yeah. lifting. That's when I saw a lot of size gains. Maybe between the first and second year. Um, but now my muscles, are, their memory, they know the, they know the, the routine too well. Mm -hmm. uh, and I could, you know, I could change it up. But what if I start doing completely new new things? Like mm. there's a term called muscle confusion. Yeah. It sort of became a buzzword. Is there any benefit to yeah. saying to just doing something weird and different every time and thinking that because your muscles doesn't know what it's doing, you're going to gain more size? I Is mean, there, there any? Yeah, there's there's some credence, credence to, that? to that, and there's some minimal research from what I could find. I couldn't find a lot, um, but there does seem to sh there does seem to be like research showing that kind of varying your movements is beneficial now the question is how often and i think there's no real consensus i you know personally like there's some people who will say like do one set of a bench press and then go right away and do a set of fly like like almost you do one set of thing at a time you could try that i think there's so many things to try that you can i would say 
the more more important thing is to vary the exercises like you know week to week and month to month but you know the other issue is in order to gain strength you need to you do need to work on some of the same movements so uh, you know i don't think that you should be trying wildly different moves every time you work out because if you want to gain size and strength you do need you know if you want to gain strength you need to focus on the same moves and if you want to gain size you do need to the, that volume of work. So I think there are different schools of thought on this, and and it's totally worth trying something. So if you're you know you're bored with your workout, and you want to try something new, it's perfectly fine. But I do think you know variation is important. But you know complete chaos, uh, you know I would probably stay away from it at least when, for anyone that's starting. Okay. Um, all right. So shifting gears, and I'm sure you've gotten a, a ton of questions of, uh, about this over the years. Um. I know I've had discussions about it, but what is really the difference uh, between how men and women should train? Mm. Like w- genetically, what's different? Like I know we've talked about it before, but just mm. briefly, sort of touch on it and sort of discuss that that concept where a woman will say, "Well, I don't want to get big like a guy." Or yeah. some women, some women want to be bodybuilders, yeah. but most will say, "Look, I, I don't want to be big. That's why I do these light weights where that you see yeah. you see a woman doing 30 easy reps, you know, thinking that that she might be, you know, improving her muscles." So just discuss a little bit about that. All right. So a couple of things to to talk about here. Again, this is a whole subject we could spend a whole podcast on. But basically, um, from a practical standpoint, men and women, um, the training is going to be the same. So how I train a woman um, for strength um, and how I train a man is going to be the same if the, if the goals are the same. So generally speaking, you're not going to be you know changing too much about how, how you're uh, approaching the training if the goals are the same. Uh, you know, that being said, there are differences, right? So there, there are hormone differences that are going to have a different effect, um, you know, kind of regarding the result. Uh, you know, in addition to that, um, on average, men have about, one third more muscle than than women. Um, and additional, additionally, the types of muscles they have are different. So men have more, not that they're different, but they have more of, so you have kind of type one and type two, we'll just leave it at that for now, it can get a little more complicated, but this, for simple purposes, yeah, type one is kind of um, slower, more endurance muscles. So, you know, somebody slow who's a really, slow twitch. So somebody who's a really good, you know, high level endurance runners are going to typically have more, you know, predominantly, you know, or a high percentage of type one muscle fibers because those aren't as power, aren't super powerful, but, you know, are great for endurance. Um, then you have type two um, and then, you know, type two and type two A that are more powerful. So they're, but they're, they're, they're not as long lasting. So they're, you know, great for, so you'll find people in explosive sports and powerful people. Um, and you know, large, you know, often with larger size, are going to have more predominantly type two, and so men have more type two, so they have greater growth potential. So now men have, on average, more muscle. The muscles that they do have more growth potential, and then you know, when it comes to the sex hormone, so men have more testosterone, and testosterone kind of combined with the weightlifting is really what's going to help you build muscle. So you know, all that's being said to say that basically men generally have an easier time building muscle. It's not to say women can't build muscle. That's not to say that you don't have women that will be you know bigger than the average man. But in general, it's going to be easier for men to gain size. So the you know kind of effort that you put in as a woman, uh, especially if you want to gain size, is generally going to be harder you know to get equal or similar gains um to a man but like with i said all that being said kind of functionally things are the same so the way we're going to we're going to train is the same so you know when you compare kind of performance and sports you'll find that kind of men are men obviously are going to be with more muscle going to be better at more powerful sports women 
and so purport kind of comparatively are slightly better on endurance sports. Now, if you look at performance, like if you look at a marathon, because you know someone will say, "Oh well, you know how are men, how are women better than men at, at endurance sports?" Because men have you know men, men have better times in a marathon. And if you kind of look at it, it's all kind of a lot of that can be explained away by still the differences in kind of body composition. Um, and if you look at men and women with similar body composition, so body composition basically is your your fat to lean weight comp. Com, you know, um, composition, only fat mass, lean muscle mass. Um, it, men and women at similar weights perform similarly. So uh, if you take a man and a woman that are both 140 pounds and are at, you know, 12 or 13% body fat, their performance um, on, in a variety of ways is going to be very, very similar. So you see like, you know, the men's um, kind of difference in performance has a lot to do with the, the ability, that kind of greater growth potential for size and, and strength, if that makes sense. And um, you know, let's not forget the the fact that with uh, and I know this this is more about strength than about than a, about size, but there are very very small women that weigh under under a hundred pounds that not in absolute strength, but pound for pound are going to be stronger than big time power lifters, right? Olymp I'm talking about Olympic weightlifters. Yeah, so sure. they're now not necessarily in absolute strength, but proportionally. Right, and I guess that's tough to say because yeah. the smaller people in general can be proportionally stronger, yeah, but not necessarily, but not necessarily stronger in absolute strength. So I guess that that has more to do with just the size thing, you know, in general. If someone weighs three hundred pounds, they're going to be able to push more, but maybe not as much proportionally. So you know, a woman who weighs hundred pounds, it's not uncommon that they could lift that that they could pick up 300 pounds over their head, right? With the proper technique and proper lift, right? But it's not, you, you might not see someone who weighs, you know, 300 pounds being able to lift a thousand pounds over their head. So am I, am I sort of in the right vicinity? Now it's more of a strength thing and I, a lot of technique I, and Olympic lifts. So. I guess, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure. <laughs> um, right, so yeah. I went off on a tangent yeah. there. Cool. All I right. mean, point, point being, you know, people who are very much smaller can have a good deal of strength, and um, and proportionally can have big. You Which know, goes against the whole size concept. Yeah, but again, whatever. Yeah. Let's, okay, let's we'll 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 leave it at that. Because, cool. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, I guess another question that mm -hmm. that often comes up is age mm -hmm. and how that affects someone's size. Whether it's do you lose size and for men and women right mm -hmm. do you lose size when you get older is it more difficult to gain size as you get uh when you're older is it easier to gain size when you're 18 years old as compared to when you're 50 right can you yeah. gain size when you're slightly older uh to answer all those questions is yes next question no, no okay <laughs> um all right so yeah so age is a big issue um so there's what's called sarcopenia, which is the uh, like basically gradual loss of muscle mass, which happens with age. So you have this kind of natural atrophy. Once we hit 30, which we are we're well past that right now, um, you naturally lose muscle mass. And then you know as we age, it's harder to produce the kind of myonuclei. The myonuclei is simple; it's just the the nucleus of the muscle fiber, um, and we need that to to increase it, um, increase our size. So we produce. Um, we produce less uh, as we age, and so it becomes much harder. Um, we also have fewer motor neuron, neurons, and the motor neurons are, ne are again, needed um, to build muscle size. So as we age, you know, fewer myonuclei, fewer motor neurons. Um, we increased uh, 
insulin resistance, we decrease um, estrogen, we decrease testosterone. So all of these together, natural occurring things, um, equal less muscle mass when you're older. That's the bad news. Um, the good news is uh, that resistance training can largely offset this, and, and that studies show that exercising at a younger age helps significantly. So these are both beneficial to us, right? We, we started exercising when we were 16, um, and as long as you're consistent, you can mostly maintain what you have. Now, it'll become harder, uh, and there are all kinds of other things when it comes to recovery and injuries and health and just life in general that may get in the way. But for the most part, um, you know, you, if, you're, if you started young and if you continue to lift and you're able to avoid some of the you know, pitfalls just that come with life, you can avoid significant loss. Now, if you have somebody who doesn't exercise at all, that's where it becomes a huge problem because if you don't exercise at all, you don't do any resistance training, you know, it's very likely um, that you know, atrophy is very likely and then that becomes problematic. You're dealing with osteoporosis. You're dealing with a lot of other issues that, that will kind of compound on that you know, if, if you're not exercising. So that's where exercise as you get older is really important. Even if you don't do it, it's never you know, too late to begin. And so like I said, you can offset those changes you know, by, by beginning some kind of a, of a training program. Um, I have a couple other points to make there, but do you have any questions first? So for men, yeah. I know this is related to size because clearly testosterone helps with building size or even maintaining size. I've heard that lifting weights actually helps to increase testosterone or helps stabilize testosterone. Do you know any of the science of that? Uh, let's get, let's. I'm just, wait, I look, wait. I know that, that you don't, you're not a, a scientist, you're not a biologist, wait, but that, I'm just curious, have you heard that? You mean over, like your, your not, like while you're exercising or just overall that overall. you're going to increase? Um, or maybe, or while, or while. Yeah, I mean, so you'll hear that in bodybuilding a lot, that people kind of, when you're, you know, they're training to target kind of um, the natural growth hormone and testosterone. And so um, I think the, the research shows that while you're exercising, the kind of naturally occurring levels of testosterone and of, of growth hormone actually don't seem to be affected. So it, it, it shows kind of almost identical production among men um, and women. So there's, uh, I'm sorry, there's, yeah, so, no, so, so yeah, there doesn't seem to be, the actual increase in um, the hormones doesn't seem to change. It's just that the, the kind of training effect, like the new muscle protein seems to be different among men and women. So kind of like the effect is, the, the result is different but they don't, it doesn't seem to be that naturally occurring testosterone. Now, I think, you know, y yes, you, you know, not, I just want to say this 100%, but you do, you can increase the testosterone levels and you can start, you know, overall and you decrease, you, you can kind of slow down the kind of the natural decrease, I believe, but that's something I don't want to say 100% sure because I'm not 100% That'll be a good episode. Yeah, we can do. talk about that later. So I just want to say, I think, because I've heard that, that yeah, but, it increases your, yeah. that lifting weights uh, yeah. will increase yeah, testosterone that for so, so yes, overall. but I don't, yeah, so like in the moment, I don't think so. Um, overall, I do, but I don't want to say that for sure, because I'm just not a, you know, that's just something I'm not 100% on. Um, 
So now, um, another thing that uh, is important for aging and, and maintaining muscle size, so protein intake, um, you know, again, again, a little slightly into diet, um, which is Tony's not here, um, but I, hopefully she will agree with, uh, agree with what I have to say. And if she doesn't, then, then she can call me out and uh, tell, give us the right information. But um, a couple of things that you can do diet-wise when it comes to um, you know, maintaining building and or maintaining size when you get older is, again, protein intake will help, um, vitamin D. So either whether it's through sunlight, ideally, or through supplementation, that's going to be important. Um, and then also dietary acid balance is, is important. So you have acidic foods like meats um, and grains. And so if you have high, you know, if you're high in acidic foods and you're low in alkalizing foods like uh, fruits, uh, vegetables, then if that balance is off, it, it can also be bad for, for muscle growth or, or maintaining muscle mass as you get older. So finding the right ba dietary acid balance, and that's something that Tony can probably speak to a little bit better. I've read a couple articles on it, but um, that's something we could talk to her about um, where she can explain it better. But those seem to be the things um, nutrition-wise that you can do um, as you're getting older. Uh, and then I have just two other one other point with so for women um so obviously estrogen um, women have higher estrogen levels and estrogen acts as a regulator of muscle cell um, metabolism um in both uh, men and women so as you know for both men and women as you get older um estrogen decreases and uh especially with women with menopause um there is potential for kind of um de deterioration in the muscle uh, especially for women, um, as you reach that point. So I think in, in either case, if you're men, men and women, um, exercise is key. But it, there also may be a situation where medical intervention is important. Um, if you're finding you know, atrophy or just being too lethargic or too tired, there are tons of uh, you know, I don't know, tons, but there there are interventions that are available medically if you find that you know you're older and you're just struggling to you know keep maintain or, or, or build muscle well, mass. Well, that was the, what I was going to ask yeah. next for a... Now, now, I know that it's actually very, very common for women that are uh, either premenopausal or going through menopause to... or, or have or have, have gone through it to take estrogen and will continue to take estrogen for the rest of their lives. Mm. Some women will just do that. Um, I know that there's a, lo there's a lot of, um, there's sort of some debate uh, with the testosterone for, for men, whether they're taking supplement or growth hormone is, um, is a game changer or whether it has some, some effects, and which would actually also be, we wanted to do this, to do an episode on taking uh, hormones as a supplement. With what, uh, with what you know right now, what does the, 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 the science or the research say on taking uh, testosterone as mm -hmm. a supplement? Or uh, is growth hormone testosterone? Is that the same thing? Yeah, no, but but when you're dealing with growth hormone and or testosterone, those are things that you know, obviously, you know, they're they're big in you know the bodybuilding and the sports, um, you know, areas, uh, and they're they're big We're among about the, for, for, he just well, I mean, for yeah, health. They're, they're for, big uh, amongst um, the general population as well. I would say 
um, from what I understand, I knowing people who have gone through kind of testosterone replace, replacement therapy and, and done various things, I, I'm pretty sure they, they can be effective. I think, you know, not, we don't have enough, you know, to know, you know, what, you know, quite are the effects and how, what the dosage and everything. So I would just say it's a medical intervention. So anytime you're dealing with, you know, any of that, um, those are medical issues that need to be dealt with a professional. Um, and, uh, so I don't want to give my advice on it because I think, you know, personally, you know, now as a vain guy, sure. If I find that I, I'm just having a hard time keeping up, I might consider going to some, you know, weird, you know, not so, you know, sketchy doctor, you know, because I'm vain and I want to, you know, have big muscles. But you know, you'd want to go to somebody who's an expert, and, and ideally, it should be a real problem. It shouldn't just be, oh, my biceps aren't as big as that 25 year old. Like. Probably not going to be as big as a 25-year-old. But if you find that, you know, I'm tired, I don't have energy, I'm lethargic, you may need to get your testosterone checked. You may need to see, you know, you may need to, you may need therapy. So, you know, I'd say it can be effective, but you definitely don't want to kind of self-administer um, and you don't want to go to, you know, you know, Joey, you know, at the gym. You, you want to go to a professional, go to a doctor who has experience in this and, and uh, who, you can, who, who you can trust. So... You, it's sort of the way you were saying it earlier about uh, per, you know, steroids, performance-enhancing drugs. Yes, for someone who is a professional, you're not allowed to do it, right? I mean, you could cheat on a lot yeah. of and, and it's, it's still as, as much of all you sport fans around the world want to think that it's not in your sport. It is. It's in every sport for the most part. Right, and, and it's being done, and they're getting better at masking it. And mm. as you know, as when they figure out one test, there's a new drug that comes out. There's a new masking agent. It's very widespread. That's my opinion, right? I think it is. And if you ask a lot of athletes, there was um, they had an interview with uh, Christy Martin, the the boxer who had a long mm. career, and she discussed how she was doing it, mm. and how so many people in boxing, and you think that oh, oh boxing. Uh, is sort of even though you know now Canelo uh, was, was hit twice for it and blamed mm -hmm. it on meat contamination or <laughs> something like that. I personally believe that it's very widespread. Mm -hmm. uh, no matter what the tests are, people are going to figure out it, it, ways around it. People are always going to cheat the system if they can. So I don't know what your opinions on that. If you think they're super widespread, I think they are all over in every sport, basically. Yeah. Like you would think in cycling. Oh, why would you need it? But it's very yeah. prevalent in in cycling, and you know. Yeah. But that, that's that's another that's another issue, right? So you're an athlete. You're really not allowed to do it. But so really, what's to stop someone from saying, "Oh well, I know I'm going to get bigger mu muscles. I'm going to um, I'm going to keep some of my strength gains. I'm going to keep some of my size gains. What's the harm in just taking some steroids for a little bit, right? It's my body. You know, who cares? I can do it. I'm just not going to take a lot. Like, really, what's the harm in, in in taking a little bit and saying, "Look, this I'll just do it to get you know my strength and my size up," right? Really, honestly, I think you asked like. <laughs> 30 questions okay. in, in that rant. Well, we don't have to talk too much about <laughs> Without, the sport asking. But no, it's just funny that you kept asking questions and I'm like, all right, well, here's my, and uh, then you just keep going and then you'd ask another question and then you just keep, no, you know, don't delete it. <laughs> and then you keep going. So it's just funny. No, I, I mostly agree. I think if you, if you're, if it's for sport, it sucks because it's not an even playing field and not everyone's doing it. And again, as we talked about, there seem to be some actual genetic, you know, changes. So, so it's not fair and uh, it's cheating and especially in combat sports is even worse because you're, you're, you're in a sport that you can kill somebody. So 
I think it's wrong morally. Um, yeah, in everyday life, sure, why not? It doesn't matter. I, you know, I just think you, you, we don't quite know all you're the gonna, effects. You, so um, now you're gonna you're you're, you're going to tell our listeners that it's okay for them to take anabolic steroids. It's a good thing we're not famous yet, right? <laughs> like or yet, um, because then then, then, I, I mean, look, then I, the headline would be like Ryan George says take anabolic steroids. No, I, well, look, my personal opinion look, is that if someone should I mean, do what they want with their body, like I think know, that they, that my, they should. My, my 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 super libertarian stepson would would, would cringe at me saying, it, but I'm I'm as socially libertarian. Like for the most part, like you can do whatever the hell you want, right? I mean, you know, we get into other areas of the world, but like, but um, why would he? Why would you? Oh, because no, he's like libertarian on everything. He he doesn't believe he believes there should be no government, like zero government, or 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 he. So he like would be in favor if you if you want to take yeah, you do, if yeah. you want to take as much steroid, you know, as yeah. many steroids yeah, yeah, as you yeah. want. Go no, for so it. So I just thought it'd be funny if he listens to this, like, because he'd say, you know, you're, you're just because you're libertarian on social things doesn't mean that, but that's a, a whole oh, other side. Okay. Regardless, um, no, I mean, look. Y- you do whatever you want, um, as long as. But you know, being in context is key. So as long as it doesn't affect other people, if you're, it, you know, if it's a sport and there's an even playing field and everyone can do it, fine. But that, you know, you know, they're all kind. I mean, there you you can dive down the moral rabbit hole because then we could talk about well, what about kids who don't have access to high level trainers and coaches and nutrition and this and that and the other. So you always you're never gonna have a completely even playing field. But I do think that you know performance enhancing drugs drugs are uh, just have this kind of pernicious effect. On, on sports and I it sucks but then that kind of negative the negative connotation we have with uh, drugs gets applied to real life where and then you get the egos too like you're gonna get the guys that's like even us like when we were you'd see the really big guys that you're like oh well screw them they're just on steroids like you know it, look who cares you can do what you want I think there you, you want to be aware and cognizant of the health effects so I'm not saying Everybody just do anabolic steroids. You know, I say if you want to do it, do it. Be aware that there may be some, you know, negative outcomes, and uh, and that's that. I mean, there's a reason why bodybuilders are dropping dead at young ages. You know, and it's probably more due to abuse. I think that you know more likely than not, people who are doing a little bit of TRT, you know, kind of therapy to to help. It's probably not going to kill them, but we don't know. So I think, it, it, as always, it's kind of use at your own risk, mm. right? So I think we're going along. So we uh, we could we could spend a month talking All about right. this, but we'll, we'll probably find somebody an expert anyway to talk about it. So let's get to the next. So one. Um, oh, I think we're almost, you know we're coming to the end here. Yeah. I know there's a we're few more, couple more things. There's a few more things to discuss. Yeah. Right, so for me, certain parts of my body blow up. Like I have a huge back. Right, I got big shoulders, but for some reason, my my biceps mm-hmm. can't really get. They just don't get bigger. Is that just because? And I put in decent volume. I know that I haven't put in tons of volume. Yeah. So why is it that for some people, they some parts of their body will grow? Is that genetics too? Like some parts will will just yeah. blow up, and some parts just you can't seem to get yeah. it bigger. No, that that's genetics. Um. Some people just have uh, you know harder area, harder areas than others. Um, now the the you know couple things to think of what you know one thing I think you know think about is again we talked about like kind of muscle fiber um, distribution and so you know it's like I like and this is more personal like what I notice but you see a lot of times athletes you know you notice they have big calves. Big forearms and big traps, which means they probably have you know more type two fibers in the calves, the forearms, and traps. And you get some guys who just don't have that. Um, so you know, if you want bigger calves and you just they just can't grow, it's gonna be kind of tough. You know, if you want much you know, certain areas, like if you just want much bigger in that area, you're gonna have to really work at it. Um, and it just means just extra work. Um, you know, it's just genetics. Your your body's kind of built the way it's built. And if you have an area that's not growing as much as the others, like I remember there's a guy who was like. 
Um, I mean, you see a lot massive up top and they have tiny little calves and it's not that, and we will joke that, yeah, they, they keep skipping leg day, but a lot of times, no, it's just, they, that's just for whatever reason, they just have, you know, fewer of the type two fibers in those calves and they just got to lift heavier or we just have to work harder. So, uh, our buddy growing up who was very big as a teenager, uh, and it was early twenties and sort of stopped lifting weights would tell me in regards to you as why Ryan looks so good when you look at me, like Ryan's a little bigger than me, but I don't know if full mass. I think I'm probably heavier than you. Right. But if you look at Ryan and I side by side, right, his muscles aren't that much bigger than mine. They're a bit, but they are just, they, they look a lot bigger than mine. Right. They just look more. Sh- they, I mean, they look, they are. And Ryan has, you know, put the fact that he has less fat on him. Mm-hmm. Right. So that also, right, I have more fat on me. But he would say, well, Ryan has these very, that, that you have very big joints, you have these sort of long limbs, Ryan has these tiny muscle bellies, yeah. have you, that, and that's why certain bodybuilders that have tiny joints, no, sorry, large mu- muscle bellies mm-hmm. and tiny joints will make you look bigger, and that's why, sure. that, yeah. why bodybuilders that have certain purport, that aren't too tall, aren't, but aren't too short either, yeah. right, and have you know, these tiny joints and these large muscle bellies Look bigger. Yeah. No, what, I think do you there's know, something to be said for that. I mean, but that? that's a visual thing. Like, you know, if you're shorter but bigger, you're going to look, you know, proportionally larger than somebody who's really tall, maybe the same size. Um, you know, larger muscle bellies, yeah, that's going to make a difference. Um, certain ways things are shaped, like naturally, you know, like my, I have larger shoulders. So the larger shoulders kind of create what looks like a deeper kind of line at the biceps. So I think there are certain things that will look bigger and uh, kind of the way you're shaped is going to make a little bit of difference. Unfortunately, you just can't really, you know. You remember that time when uh, we were 17 years old and we just had a eaten dinner somewhere and we're both wearing uh, sleeveless shirts, like thinking we're all big and whatnot. (laughs) And then we met our friend at the Night of Champions. Uh, Yeah, it was like a bodybuilding competition and I never felt so small in my life. (laughs) It was just like, Yeah, that was pretty awful. <laughs> well, yeah, or, or, yeah it hurt, hurts you. Humbling like, yeah. very quickly. When you're like an 18 year old kid and you realize, yeah, there are people way, 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 way bigger than me. So, yeah, that's funny. Now, um, you talked a little bit about diet, and we yeah. know that we know the the very basics yeah. of you know that we'll get into is if you want to gain size, you have to increase your caloric intake, yeah. right? So you have to eat more. Now that doesn't mean. Now we know uh, Tony would say that doesn't mean eat crap, right? Yeah. You still want to eat healthy foods, but you're gonna have to increase your caloric intake. So now, what about supplements? I know we yeah. recently did a, an episode on supplements losing weight yeah. or helping you lose weight, or whether that's actually true. But can like weight gainers and protein, like, what is the, like, what's your opinion? What does the science say on? taking supplements yeah. to help gain size. So Tony can speak to this more than I can. Um, yep. You know, clearly, okay, we've, we've kind of ad nauseum talked about di- calories in versus calories out. That, you know, mostly is true. You know, and if you want to get bigger, then you've got to eat more. So whatever you expend, you need to, you know, increase your calories by a good a good deal. You know, three to 500 calories or more um, per day. So now the supplements can can be helpful. I think um, the ones that, you know, and I'll only speak about the ones that I know have a good deal of science. Um, so you have like kind of branch chain amino acids. Um, those are, I guess, from, from what the research shows, somewhat helpful. 
uh, you know, in that they kind of stimulate a little bit greater response post-exercise, but it's only slightly greater than um, the kind of uh, than a placebo in, in most studies. Um, what they what what the reason reason why or kind of the, the the theory why is that they kind of lack the essential amino acids. So um, what what studies have found is that if you combine whey protein, which has the essential amino acids, with branched chain amino acids, that seems to be effective in in kind of increasing kind of the muscle response post exercise. Um, and then you have uh, creatine, um, you know, which we we use when we were little, but creatine works. Um, uh, you know, lots of studies that I mean, probably the most studied um, supplement. Um, and you know, it, it's not, you know, gonna, you know, not gonna replace working hard, but it definitely allows for kind of more continued, um, muscle exertion and, you know, greater usage of load. I think there, you know, one thing that does happen is it, it tends to taper off, um, fairly quickly. So, you know, you do want to kind of, you can do your own research on kind of the cycles to use it and how often to use it and everything. But, but, uh, you know, beyond like kind of making sure, again, this is a dietary thing, but, you know, protein intake, um, should be fairly high. Uh, and, you know, or, or higher protein intake seems to, you know, produce a better response. Um, and then again, whey protein with branched chain amino acids, creatine, um, those seem to work. All the other stuff, I would say it's not worth it um, unless you're getting to the level of, you know, performance enhancing drugs. Um, you know, you're, you're kind of good with if you, you have a good diet and you, you, you supplement with some extra protein and amino acids. Um, again, some creatine should be fine. Hmm. All right. So... Here's sort of the question everyone wants to know, and it's something that everyone, that would be wonderful if it could happen. Um, and I actually heard that it might be possible. Mm -hmm. Can you gain size in terms of muscle while losing fat? Hmm. That, that's, yeah, there, um, there was an article, so I'll, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take a quote from the article, which is that that's like the holy grail of exercise, which it is, right? Um, and now people sometimes, I think most of this, these ideas are, are gone, you know, we don't see them, you know, or hear it much, but like kind of that you can replace muscle with fat or that you can melt the muscle away and, or turn muscle into fat or fat into muscle. We don't hear that as much anymore. Um, but the, there is a question of can we lose fat while we're also building muscle at the same time? And so kind of the short answer is, Probably, um, it's very hard, but it's at least possible in some populations. So, um, you know, I'll give you an example of a study. So the study basically took overweight young men. Um, and they had uh, two groups. So one group did, you know, hard exercise. Um, and they were, you know, restricted calories. So I think they were kind of 40%. Um, but they had high protein. And the other group, everything was the same, but their protein intake was, was normal kind of normal protein intake. And what they actually found was that both groups lost weight, but in the, you know, or, but the uh, group that had the higher protein intake um, lost uh, or maintained their muscle mass. So they didn't actually lose muscle. They just lost fat. So uh, one other thing to add is that in both groups, it was hard, intense exercise. So basically, you know, and again, this is overweight young men. So it's a, a you know, maybe going to, you know, we, we need to see how this works with, you know, fit or elite athletes, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, basically, if you want to try to build muscle and lose fat at the same time, you know, it's going to be done with, you know, very hard exercise, calorie restriction, high protein, and it, it's possible to get done with certain populations, but I think it's one of those things that we need more research. But at least there's hope that that maybe we'll find, uh, you know, find the holy grail. And even if um, that holy grail doesn't completely exist, if you gain a lot of muscle, 
we know that it increases your metabolism. So maybe you won't be ga- losing fat while you're gaining it, but certainly it may make it easier to lose it when you choose to go for a cut phase. When you try to lose fat, would, would you say that that is somewhat accurate? Probably. Right, just because you have, will have a, a higher metabolism. Now, no, we know that you may lose some muscle in the process as well. But having having more muscle probably doesn't will not hurt you when it comes to wanting to lose no, fat. No, probably no, probably not. Wow. So, do you think that this is our longest podcast we've ever? Yeah, done? I thought our Chris the Chris Winter episode was our longest, but I, I'm interested. This might be the longest episode we've ever done, especially with just the two of us. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, since we covered so much, we'll just sum up some of the ideas. All right. Um, well, I'm gonna sum up, but I'm also adding there are gonna be a couple of things I didn't we maybe talked about or touched on or barely touched on. But um, you know, basically, you know, one thing I'd like maybe to maybe we need to do a part two. No, no, we don't. Need, I don't think we need a part two. Well, um, but if if uh, you were one of the people that asked us for this episode, if you think we need a part two, let me know. But basically, you know, I gave a lot of information. Um, but you know, for the average person, they just kind of want to know, okay, well, what, what, you know, what are the principles, what do I need to focus on? So, um, I'll just try to give you a list of like the, what is it like eight things or whatever, um, that you really want to focus on when you're lifting. So, you know, one is progressive overload. So what that means basically is that, you know, over time, um, you need to increase the stress, uh, in order to, you know, in order to make progress. So basically if I, if I bench press hundred pounds this week, and I stayed 100 pounds, the body has no need to adapt because I'm adapted to lifting 100 pounds. So, you know, next week I got to do 105 pounds or 110 pounds. So you have to kind of progressive over time, increase the amount of stress so that that's constantly creating this kind of a cycle of adaptation where the body has to react. Now, there are plateaus. And so that's why changing up exercises, trying different things is always a, a, an important aspect and something that should be done so that you're never stuck on if you're stuck with the same five exercises you know at some point you reach your level where you know what i just can't do it and so by changing things up you're you're constantly changing you know allowing yourself to kind of overload without without um hitting those plateaus so that's one thing um you know the training volume is is important as well so you know basically simply put like volume is going to be you know sets times reps times weight right or weight you know so if you do 100 pounds and you do three sets um, you know, that's what three, you know, 300. And, uh, then how many times you do that around? So you, you kind of something like that. I'm not sure uh, how, if I, if I said the math, right, but you get the point, right? Sets times wet reps times weight. Um, and then you do that for the entire workout. That's your total kind of training volume. So the, the amount of weight you're moving over the entire workout needs to be fairly high. That seems to correlate very closely with, um, with the strength um, or size gains. So training volume is important. Um, you know, so, you know, and generally when it comes to volume with each exercise, you know, you have three sets. Um, and then again, we talked about reps. You could do higher reps. You can do lower reps and you know, any, Oh yeah. Sorry. Sorry to interrupt you. Uh, and I'm sorry. I didn't ask that question earlier. You, you said you generally do three or four yeah. uh, sets. Why uh, just briefly, why does doing more seem to not to lose lose its effect. I quickly. don't know. I th- so so some does. of the stuff that I've read, you know, that yeah, that there seems to be a, a diminishing returns after three three sets of an exercise. But um, but again, you know, and, and it could just be with you know, cha- you want to change things up. So instead of doing, if I let's say I want to work my chest, instead of doing twenty sets of bench press, you know, do three sets of the bench press, do three sets of an incline press, do three sets of cable flies, do three sets of decline dumbbell fly. You know, so you can you know doing three sets of different exercises rather than doing one exercise for a bunch of sets seems to have 
have a better effect. And there are some studies that show doing one set you know, has an even better effect. So, so you know, the general rule of thumb, three sets, maybe four if you want to do like a warm-up. Um, you know, anywhere from your you know, six to 15 reps, depending on you know, what, you know, what method you're going to use. Um, and doing you know, two to five um, exercises per you know, muscle group um, seems to be the most effective thing. So again, it varies a little bit. Um, it's going to change depending on how quickly you adapt. So if your biceps adapt great to two exercises, great. If you need to do five or six, great. Um, you know, other rule is just consistency. Consistency is really important. So I think, especially when it comes to building muscle, you can't get a you know not you can't, but it's very hard for a lot of people to get away with you know, you know a good week and then a bad week and then a good week and then two bad weeks. You know you need to be consistent with the lifting in order to really build the right adaptations. Um, you know another principle is variation. So in your workout, you know and over time or and or over time. So like I said, you know doing different exercises can be useful. Let's say if you do, for some people, they like to do the same workout over the course of three months. You can do the same workout over the course of three months, increase your weights, but then at some point, you gotta change things up. So you gotta change the exercises. So varying the exercises, whether it's workout to workout, whether it's in, intro workout, whether it's you know over the course of months, um, variation is, is an important principle. Um, so just sort of with keeping within that idea of variation, um, not that it's too, too much with variation, but it just made me think about it. People say, oh, I don't like to do any cardio while I'm trying to gain mass because it makes me smaller. Mm. Right now, clearly, if you're running marathons, then probably it's gonna might be a little tricky to gain size. But is there any evidence that, that, that doing moderate cardio, which we know is very good for you in total, is will hurt your size gains? No. All right. So next, right, good, next good, principle. Good. So uh -huh. fatigue. So that you know this and this probably should be one. Fatigue is seems to be the most important thing. So now it's not necessarily failure. So it's not that you have to train until you you know to absolute maximum failure. But you need to train. You know when you're doing an exercise, whether you're doing six reps or you're doing twenty reps, you need to do enough that that um you can't do another rep or two. You know, that's got to be re that's really, really, really important here. So I think I'd say, you know, I probably should have said fatigue first because fatigue is is, is that important. Um, you know, tied into fatigue is, is volume. So really volume, fatigue, over progressive overload. Those are really the things you really want to focus on. Um, the other thing is as a trainer and anybody who's listening as a trainer has always heard time under tension. Um, and so we kind of always learned that time under tension was the biggest principle. So I'd say it is still a principle, but it might it's not. It doesn't seem to be as important as, as volume and fatigue. So time under tension is basically just it, as I'm doing my bicep curls, right, my 10 reps, whatever the amount of time it is that I'm under that constant tension of doing the exercise, that would be time under tension. But it seems, you know, now in general, the time under tension is going to kind of correlate with, you know, bringing yourself to fatigue. But like I said, the, the, you know, you can do time, you can, I can do really, really light weights for 25, 30 reps where I could still do more. And if I haven't reached fatigue, you know, I'm not going to get the same training effect as if I get fatigue. So while time under tension kind of correlates with everything else, it's not the most important principle, or at least it doesn't seem to be the most important principle. Um, and they got two more things. Wait, basically two to three, times per muscle group per week seems to be the best thing for building size. So, you know, once a week may or may not be the best. I think some people can get away with it, but most people you're going to need to do two to three times per group per week um, if you're really trying to put on size. And then the last thing is, um, you know, some, you know, another question we didn't really touch on much, but what, you know, and because, you know, I guess this is again, a more of a bodybuilding thing and a more specific thing, but you know, do you isolate muscles? Do I isolate my biceps or do I just work overall larger group muscle groups? And it really depends on the person. So, 
Isolation can be really good for and useful for weak spots. So again, if you find that certain areas aren't growing faster, then you isolate that area and it should grow faster. Um, but again, it really depends on how you adapt to exercises. So you know, try to give an overall idea of what it takes to build build size. We went way long. Um, in fact, today we had we we were not going to be able to talk this about was a massive this episode. episode. <laughs> Damn it. I think, it, yeah, I think, I think it, it deserves that title now. Um, so yeah, I think I covered as much as I, I needed to cover for this without, you know, obviously without going five hours. Um, so let us know what you think. Um, yeah. You know, as usual, all of our stuff is at thegymwits.com. Check out our social media. Shoot me a message if you thought I missed anything or if there are any questions or if you thought I got something wrong or if you have your own kind of um, science or anecdotes or anything to share. You know, we always love information and uh that is it. I'm Ryan George. I'm Justin Guild, a.k.a. Chef Sonic, reminding you that truth does not sell. And we are the Gym Wits. <laughs>